I caught you glancing my way, and I know what you're after. No second chances tonight. Why don't we steal away into the night on this 47th episode of Resurrection Revealed. Welcome back for another full discussion fan feedback episode of the Resurrection Revealed podcast. We're a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network, and we're sponsored by lynda.com. That's L-Y-N-D-A.com. You can get a 10-day free trial start this year off, learning some new things. we got more details coming up later. You can just visit lynda.com slash resurrection for full details. We welcome you. Thanks for coming aboard as we talk about Season 2, Episode 12, entitled Steal Away. And Resurrection Revealed is an unofficial podcast by and for fans of ABC TV's Resurrection. This is January 20th, 2015, and I'm at Wayne Henderson, your voice acting, podcasting, (sighs) trying to recover Green Bay Packers fan. And I am at Troy Heinrichs, also a recovering Green Bay Packers fan. That opening there was from Robbie Dupree's song, Steal Away. I believe that was back in the 70s, if I'm not correct there. Is that right, Wayne? Yes, uh, barely in my time as a young child, but I thought that one was way ahead of your time, but the lyrics go pretty well with what happened on the episode this week. Yeah, I love the uh, glancing my way from the uh, trance that everybody was looking at Rachel, and then, of course, No Second Chances really stuck out, so I like that one for this week. Uh, Very appropriate for tonight's discussion, considering the episode title is Steal Away. Show notes for this episode can be found at resurrectionrevealed.com slash 47. But before we get into the show this evening, we want to take a quick moment to let you know about the 10th annual Podcast Awards. Now, the Podcast Awards is like a people's choice kind of award ceremony because you guys get to nominate the podcasts that everybody will be voting on. And the nominations are now open. So everything you need to know about the podcast awards, you can go to resurrectionrevealed.com slash podcast awards. And when you get there, you just click on the button, put in your email address, and we'll send you all the information because it's a little bit lengthy to talk about here on the show. But in a nutshell, this is your chance to nominate your favorite podcasts. You can submit one entry per email address. So make sure you have all the shows and all the URLs that you want to nominate on your form before you press submit because you only get one chance per email. Again, that's resurrectionrevealed.com slash podcast awards for all the information. Absolutely. And then the shows that make the final nominations, then voting up opens up later and there's more details to come as that draws near. But uh, it's exciting times. It's hard to believe podcasting has been around for over 10 years. And this is the 10th annual version of the podcast awards. It's, it's an awesome thing. It's a fun fun uh, contest. Everybody gets recognition. It's good stuff. Now on resurrection, steal away another totally different type of episode. And one that I think has to be watched at least twice. Yeah. The whole season has been very spiritual in nature. And we'll probably touch on a bunch of spiritual topics, Christian focused in the course of the evening. So, uh, Again, just informational purposes, trying to tie it together. Not that we're preaching one particular religion over another, but there are some very biblical ties and even some cult ties in here as well as we get into the podcast. So it'll be interesting discussion this evening. And the first thing that I noticed right away was that there were six bells 
in the opening sequence as they were kind of marching towards Rachel's apartment. And I know that 666 is the mark of the beast. So was there any significance with the six bells? Because the clock in town as you were walking down said 705. I'm going to say continuity error, but nothing would surprise me. They do have quite a bit of attention to detail on the show, but I I think maybe we just missed one of the bells and there was actually seven. I, I don't know. Well, and the interesting thing was there was bells a second time in the show this week. There were bells when uh, Preacher James was in the Langston household sitting talking to Henry. And just as they sit down, there were three chimes. I'm assuming that chime was from the grandfather clock in the living room, mm. but I just noticed that it was three. And so if I'm thinking back to you know this whole the baby being a messiah potentially, uh, that they've been kind of playing off. I'm like, okay, well, what has three and what has six? And what I've kind of tied it to was in the crucifixion of Christ, it was in the third hour and then it was in the sixth hour and then it was in the ninth hour. So I was waiting for there to be a nine bells at some point in the episode, but maybe that starts off next week. If they go that route, I would be surprised, but full props to you on that one, Troy. It's they're definitely trying to make us think both ways and really having us wonder, is this upcoming baby really good and going to help out all of the returned? Or is it Preacher James that's really good? So they're they're splitting it down the middle or going both ways to really make us think. At the same time, we've got some great listener feedback coming up later in this episode that throws a uh, third option in there. Well, you know what I really loved about this episode? Answers answers to some questions that we've all been asking and i'm going to throw this one out there because maybe you might think it's not answered this is getting back into the old lost debate you know did you tell me an answer or did you show me an answer and is it really an answer but (laughs) uh angela returned or not returned angela forrester the elegant woman i i don't think we have evidence either way i know there's a little bit of evidence but i'm still thinking she's a returned Okay, and I say not returned, because if you're returned, you were in the trance. Unless you're pregnant. Unless you were pregnant. Are you you saying Angela's pregnant? Is that what you're saying? That's not necessarily what I'm saying, but I mean, we know of at least one other person that didn't go into the trance, whether or not it's because she's pregnant with this magic baby. But I figure if she didn't go into the trance, I I just don't know if that's the clue that tells us for sure. But in the end, at the end of the day, as you would like to say, Troy, whether or not Angela's a returned, I don't think has very much bearing on the overall story on resurrection, especially since about half the other people are returned. Well, and the other big question was everybody in Arcadia has died at least once and they're all returned, but they just don't know it yet. So if we assume that you have to be returned to be in the trance, then that means Fred, Lucille, Maggie. Randy, you know, these people are not returns. So which means they are their 1.0 vessels, if you will. And I think that's actually what's going on. That not necessarily using the trance so much as being the hard limiter on who's a return and who's not. But I, I I don't think they're going to go the route of everybody being dead at least once, but I wonder how many more answers they can possibly give us in just one episode next week. I'm going to be ready right at the top of the hour. I'm going to be avoiding spoilers, and I'm going to be ready right at the top of the hour when the show starts 
even if I have to suffer through television commercials. <laughs> now, I thought they would be a little bit more overt with the flower. I mean, we saw it there. I think immediately I was like, ooh, it's the flower. And then, of course, they went into a bigger description and dialogue between Preacher and Bellamy at the bottom of the stairs about the flower. So the question I have is, is that the flower from the moon spot? Was the flower even at the moon spot or was it just part of the vision? Because that's the the question I'm still trying to struggle with. Was that flower really there or did Bellamy imagine the flower like he imagined the cicadas? I know that whole scene, it is such a strong, vivid, you know, basically vision that I'm thinking that maybe he just imagined the flower being there. But it, I could imagine, I could imagine him imagining all of the cicadas coming up. But why would he envision that flower in the middle of the moon present? And, and that kind of comes up a little bit later. Um, there's uh, the conversation he's having with Angela about, you know, sometimes a new returned causes the mass return to happen. And then as he's thinking about it, if you, if you think about that whole sequence of stuff, so there was life inside of a dead spot. There were the cicadas coming back to life. And then, of course, the tree of life all point to the baby being born as that kind of catalyst. I see where you're going, Troy. I, I could see them going that way. And one, one thing's for sure, no matter how you look at it, I can't think of another show that has had this much imagery just without necessarily telling us too much about it, just showing us so many things that we need to try to piece together. It, it's visually stunning, even if you aren't following the rest of the show. Okay, so let's talk imagery then. Okay, if you want. Preacher James, he's doing this meditating mantra. It definitely is not yoga, but he's no. he's crying out to he's crying out to somebody. And I rewound it a few times, and I I still say he said, "I will not fail you, Lord," as if he's talking to God. Is he really talking to God, or is he really talking to the Lord of Evil? Who do you think his Lord is? Well, I think it sounded to me like he was just you know, basic praying to the Lord. But he was, I mean, he was sweating. He was fervent. I, he was totally into it. Now, whether or not, you know, because everybody's prayers get answered, whether it's with a non-answer, whether the answer is yes or no. So I think he is praying to the Lord, but something just doesn't seem right about Preacher James. In fact, we have a listener voicemail later on that thinks they saw something in that scene for a split second that I totally miss. So stay tuned for that later in this episode. Well, and then when he bends over and he's reaching forward and you get to see the tattoo on his back again, or the Polaroid of the tree on his back, whatever you want to call it from the different angle. It was interesting because I almost looked like it was a giant river. Yes. Down the middle. And then you have all these forks of other rivers coming off of it. Like this is the main branch of life. And then we reach out with these additional branches to cultivate life in these smaller branches. In fact, the way he was so fervent in his prayer, it almost looked like that river symbolism was flowing and moving or filling with water or blood or whatever that is on his back. Right. As his back rippled as he was, was breathing. 
It was like, what is going on? Well, and then take this a step further and you talk about Ray Mays where he's talking about time coming together. Mm-hmm. So could this be, you know, one main timeline and the choices we make in life determine what branch off we take from the predicted timeline as it, as it stood. So we make choice a, we go on this branch, but if we make choice B, we go on that branch. Like what if Henry doesn't go to the factory that day that Jacob dies, would things be different? What would, um, if we look at it from the perspective of this whole thing with the baby, you know, if the preacher says, let the baby be born, maybe one timeline happens versus a different timeline happens. It'd be very interesting to see how time and branching out of water to give life, all of this kind of ties together next week. And I love this theory, but if they're going this route, I think we have to get a season three. I, I don't think we can get a satisfactory description and resolution to it if if we really only have one more episode. But I do love the theory. And could if we get a season three of Resurrection, this could go just mind-blowing. Well, and if it's anything time travel or time splitting theory related, then it's got to get at least a season four. Yeah, and and I'm totally in. If it involves time travel, I am there. <laughs> well, now Henry is really still mad at mom. And the only thing I kept thinking of during that whole scene when he's like, you know, you don't know the kind of woman she is today. I was like, come on, Henry, don't spoil your second chance. Or in this case, a third. (laughs) Exactly. All harboring back to that uh, sign in the cafeteria last week. Speaking of signs in the cafeteria, did you notice the new one this week? I couldn't make it out very clearly, but I did notice that they do love to hang out in the cafeteria. But then again, they are returned and they love to eat. What was the sign focused on this week? It said, fight the infection. So then the question I had was, well, who is the infection? Because if last week was don't spoil your second chance, which made it sound like they were like, okay, you know, do your job, be good, you know, be part of society. Don't ruin your second chance. Now it's fight the infection. Well, who's the infection? Is the returned the infection on the, on the living or are the living an infection and they're trying to stir up the return to fight against the living? And I know that you brought that up on your initial thoughts episode earlier in the week. And I've listened to that a couple of times and I still don't really have an opinion either way. I could definitely see it going. I just thought that that is the strangest message to put on a sign in a cafeteria, even if it's a cafeteria at a government facility filled with people that are back from the dead. Well, you did have the guy, the fist in the picture was holding soap. So maybe it's just that. Maybe it's fight the infection. Wash your hands before you eat dinner. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, like all those people that are back from the dead are going to do that. Now, I don't know if this was just me, but when Bellamy's sitting in front of his computer screen, it looked like the screensaver was like snowflakes. I know it might have been that that line one that draws like different shapes and stuff, but it really looked like snowflakes to me. In which case, then I said, not one snowflake is obviously alike. So does that mean there's something just a little bit different with each of these vessels? They're, they're Jacob, but they're quite not Jacob. You are starting to blow my mind again, Troy. That I didn't even see that, and I watched the episode twice so far. But if there was a snowflake there, I wouldn't be surprised if Aaron Zoman suggested they put that there so that you could bring up that very question about how everybody's a little bit different. And obviously, even when they're back from the dead, they are a little bit different. You're right. 
And then Angela uses the term when she's talking to Margaret, you people, immediately you're talking about, you know, segregation here, right? This is Mm -hmm. a living versus the dead. And I think this was another clue that Angela is not a returned. Hmm. Unless she's just playing it off that way. But yes, using that phrase, you people, is never good, no matter what kind of company you're in or who you are addressing it to. And it was just really tense in that whole scene. Everything happening in the facility with whether or not it was Angela or when it was grandma Langston or the, you know, the other people that want to break out. It's just something about that whole thing. Just unnerves me a bit, I guess I could say. And now these are kind of two nitpicks, very small. So the preacher is picking poisonous berries. He makes it a, Abundantly clear to Bellamy. No, I'm picking the thorns. These berries are poisonous. Yes, he did. Yes. So if you're like any TV watcher, you can see where this is going to go. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Just my crackers and wine for communion. Okay, whatever. But then he starts unpacking it at the table. And the nitpick is, is that you just freshly picked these berries. Are you going to have such a finely corked bottle of wine? (laughs) Or you could have it a, in some kind of jug or something. That's a good point. I, I was trying to think of how that wine bottle could have tied back into the, the man in black on Lost. But that's a great point how you see it. It's like, I'm sure that, what, it was just a few hours. Well, right? but then he said that the crackers and wine are my only weapons. What about the corkscrew to get the wine bottle open? Hmm. Wasn't a twist off, huh? Was it, it, that cork was in that bottle. Solid. Um, I, that's a, that's a fine nitpick. I'm glad you noticed that, but yeah, that was something I think we're just going to have to look over. Well, and then here's one that seems odd the way they kind of did the scene. The, the preacher says to Margaret, I know what you value the most. And if you don't come along and do whatever I tell you to do, then I'm going to, it's going to all go away. So is she Margaret taking that as a direct threat? Because I know in that scene, I'm already going He's talking about the baby. The baby's going to wipe everybody out. So I'm like two steps ahead. The question was, was Margaret two steps ahead? Or did she assume it was a direct threat from the preacher on her family's life? I took it as a threat on the Langston family, their lives, their legacy. But back to your point, I do think Margaret is two steps ahead, even of preacher James. Okay, so you thought that she was already on to something bigger was going to destroy the family, not Preacher James himself. Correct. Okay, because on the second watch, it could really be taken as if Preacher James is like, piss me off, I'm going to take care of your folks. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But uh, one thing we've learned in this, it's hard to believe that Margaret Langston's only been on this one season. She's so imperative to the whole story. And she, I think, is always two steps ahead. She's kind of like a Benjamin Linus from another awesome show. I would tend to agree 100%. Now, I think we get some more answers in this conversation that Angela and Bellamy have as they discuss the number of times this event has happened, the, the, a, a returned event. And she says that the government's known about the phenomenon for a while but the returns have only ever happened in Arcadia. So that got me thinking, well, Jacob came back in China, not in Arcadia, but he was born in Arcadia. 
right? Bellamy was born in Arcadia. So I think that in order to be a returned, you have to either have died in Arcadia or have been born in Arcadia. doesn't matter where you come back, but either the death or the birth has to happen in Arcadia specifically. I agree. Much like you said, 100%. But it does bring to question something that we saw on Angela Forrester's computer screen, where it looked like thousands and millions of people were popping up all over the world. I don't think, even if Arcadia goes back 200 years, that there could possibly be that many people that either died in Arcadia or were born in Arcadia. That's what I'm saying, because Arcadia is a pretty small town in Missouri, so there'd have to be a real lot of people that have flown through there over the years. Maybe a lot of gold rushers that just didn't quite make it out of the gate there from St. Louis. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's it was pretty good imagery, again with the imagery, because I'm thinking, holy cow, was that supposed to be a representation of real-time people popping up, or was it a computer projection of what's going to happen when this quote-unquote returned earthquake uh, happens. Yeah. I like that imagery, like returned earthquake. We know it's going to happen. We know California is going to fall in the ocean eventually Bye, Wayne. Well, uh, I'm counting on having oceanfront property way out here in Yukaipa. <laughs> if I live through the quake, uh, we know it's coming. We just don't know when that's what they've been telling me for over 30 years. Now I really found this interesting that they decided to use the Christian Catholic concept of communion and immediately turn it into occult mass suicide. The the juxtaposition of those two things in the same scene, I, I just don't know how to wrap my head around that. I, I, part of me says it's brilliant. Part of me says sacrilegious. It was very interesting. And then I got to thinking, Preacher James. Well, if Jim is short for James, then Preacher James is doing his best impression of Jim Jones the guy that had that big mass Kool-Aid drinking event down in uh, Jonestown, Guyana. Yeah, I remember that well. That was an utter disaster. And Preacher James, the way he's written and portrayed on the show, does kind of give me that Jim Jones vibe. And when they had that massacre there, where the whole phrase, drink the Kool-Aid, started with that event, I think that they were doing, forcing them into some sort of communion exercise with their poison. I'm not positive, but I think that's might've been what had happened. And they were just forcing everybody to drink the Kool-Aid and it was not good. So any coincidence that they used James as the name for this character? I don't know. I don't think anything on resurrection is a coincidence. And then preacher James has a really potent message. And I think this is something that people should listen to again, kind of think on. He says, do you want to live in a world with no free will? Meaning about the baby controlling them and putting them back in this trance and everything. And if you know anything about the Christian creation and how God created man in his image, but God gave man free will because God wanted man to choose to love God, right? Exactly. He didn't want automatons that he... He could have made automatons that said, you are going to love me, you are going to follow me, but he wanted man to have free will. So is free will part of what it means to be human? So that's really the question, right? Is Preacher James right? Are they angels or are they demons or are they human? 
do they have free will? Does preacher James have free will to rally up these people, stand against Bellamy, go after Rachel? Does grandma Margaret Langston have free will to stop it from happening or participate with it? So if they have free will, are they human? I have no answers to that part of it. I, I do believe, you know, free will is part of what it means to be human, but they throw such a wrench into it on the show resurrection with these returned. And I know we've got a couple of emails that touch on this subject a little later on, and maybe even some of the website comments from resurrectionrevealed.com. So I'm going to defer to the listeners on this one. Which then goes into the next comment about where he says, I never killed anybody, right? Preacher James, I never killed anybody. I set these people free. And I'm thinking, wait, didn't you just serve poisonous berry wine to all these people and kill them? Right. But like uh, we've talked about either at the beginning of this season or near the end of last season, can you be accused of killing somebody if they're alive again? And then I said, even not even taking that into account, just the fact that he had the cup there, everyone had to choose to drink of the cup of their own Free will. Free will. Aha. That's a whole other twist on that side of it. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, Lastly, before we get into our ratings, uh, I I love the line. I have a mission, Robert, a mission from God. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta love the blues brothers. You cannot go wrong with blues brothers references. Uh, The end of the world may just be that at the end of the world, the dead will rise again. This also happened when Christ died on the cross when the dead rose right after, you know, he passed away in the ninth hour and walked the earth again. So are we at some kind of end times apocalypse that's about to take place? And that's why all these returned resurrected people are coming back. It's sure looking that way, but with only one hour of resurrection left, at least this season, I I can't imagine how this next week's episode is going to be. Do not miss TV. Yeah, that's where I'm about at right now, because even if it doesn't give us any answers and it ends on a cliffhanger, there's just no, it's just got to be exciting next week. This week was exciting. It's it's going to be just total insanity. Do not miss it. Program extra time on your DVRs just in case some news event or sports event or something causes it to start late. Be prepared. Program your DVR to have extra time if you're not watching live. So our ratings for the episode this week, uh, you went first last week, so I'll go first. Please do. I'm going to give this one 10 out of 10. Berry, awesome. Berry variations of Kool-Aid flavors. <laughs> is, is that a saccharin? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> a 10. That is an awesome rating. I'm right up there. Not quite there. But this was a wild episode, an awesome episode. I'm going to rate this one 9 out of 10 prayers for guidance. See, and I went with a 10 because I think this episode had a lot of answers. I mean, people say, the show doesn't give me any answers. I don't know what's going on. And I think this episode gives a lot of answers. It doesn't spell it out specifically. But I think part of that is what Resurrection's all about. It's you're looking for answers where answers might not be found, but eventually the answers will reveal themselves to you. Ah, nicely done. Nicely done. I did totally love the episode. Watched it twice. We'll likely watch it a third time, especially since the season's almost done. So I, maybe I'll even up my rating all the way to a perfect 10. 
And if you need to catch up or want to rewatch anything before the finale, Hulu Plus is the home of Resurrection. You can get all of the episodes in a row if you don't have the DVDs over on Hulu Plus. So you can go check that out. Excellent advice. Uh, The Resurrection Revealed listener community does have some awesome and lengthy theories coming up in just a bit. But seeing this episode tonight, it actually got me thinking that Angela and Randy no longer have returned at the facility to watch over. So they actually may be in the market to learn some new skills. Where could they do something like that? Well, they could do it at lynda.com. And it's just so fortunate that they have a computer that Angela has in her office. And just like these guys, you too can go and visit lynda.com slash resurrection because you get 10 days of free learning, which might come in handy if you need to prepare for, say, a mass return event next week. Because if you learn some photography skills, then you can take pictures of the mass return events and share them with the world and let us know what's going on. Or you could learn web coding skills and start your own blog and actually document the events for the rest of the world as the mass return event happens. No matter what the skill is, you can find it at lynda.com slash resurrection. It's taught by professors, updated with the latest content on a regular basis. You can be assured you'll be prepared for your next endeavor, whatever or whenever it may be. Visit lynda.com slash resurrection to start your 10-day free trial today. Excellent. So let's get this cornucopia of listener feedback started right off with a call that came into the res head listener line at plus one nine oh four four six nine seven four six nine hello this is neil from Bowie calling into resurrection revealed for resurrection season two episode 12 steal away beginning of the episode all the return that we know of are compelled to stand at attention except rachel rachel is undergoing something related to the baby it's clear that she is not actively doing something but somehow it must be the baby that is calling the returned. I never thought that Angela was returned, and we see that since she's not in a trance, this appears to be confirmed. I don't believe the returned are angels or demons. They just are. Later in the episode, Angela says that a mass returned from the past has been set off by a trigger. This time around, the trigger appears to be the upcoming birth of the baby. The title of the episode, Steal Away, is from future James's successful plan of mass suicide to escape the government facility and bring them all back to Arcadia. I would like to think that the baby is good and not a dark soul, as Preacher James fears. I think that the flower in the room is a sign of goodness and not evil. Jacob's worry that the baby was hurting him is probably empathy with the baby and what is undergoing before birth. Anyway, this uh, episode is a great setup for the season finale, which I hope will not be a series finale. Looking forward to the final episode of the season next week. That's all. Neil, thank you so very much for all of your listener feedback over the past two seasons. Very much appreciated. And a great point about the baby. I, I do think it very well could be that the baby is good or maybe even just a newborn baby that was born extra fast. And that possibly Preacher James is just kind of using the baby as a way to further whatever it is he's working on. But um, one thing I can say is Rachel's kind of been getting on my nerves the past few weeks. But I'm hoping the baby is good. Why why has she been getting on your nerves? I I can't explain it. She's just been annoying. That's all. Okay. Just throw that out there. But anyways, thank you, Neil. Very much appreciated. 
Yeah, and the flower is an interesting thing. I, I've been watching The Walking Dead, and both shows are filmed in the Atlanta area. And there was an episode in The Walking Dead called uh, The Cherokee Rose, which is one of the, I believe it's the state flower of Georgia, if I'm not mistaken, someone can correct me. And I'm wondering if that flower is a Cherokee rose that they're using. So maybe if someone from the cast or the crew, if they're listening to the podcast, could let us know if that is indeed one of those flowers, that would be great because I've been fixated on it ever since I saw it in the in the uh, Bellamy dream sequence. Yeah, I have a feeling that's something that there is going to have to be answered next week. Well, we got an email from D and says, too many questions to resolve in one final hour next week. Crossing my fingers for a season three. I'm crossing my toes and my legs and my arms. Uh, <laughs> but let's consider a few questions. Ready? Ready. Okay. Number one, why didn't Bellamy tell Angela about Rachel's baby? I don't know why Bellamy is keeping some of these things secret because he's kind of opened up to Angela and giving this type of information very well could have changed how all of this other stuff played out. Well, she says Bellamy's judgment has continually frustrated me and it did again here. I think the popular opinion from fans is that Angela is on the good side, but why wouldn't Bellamy trust her? After all, she did, we think, secretly provide him with the medicine and has shown good faith. Plus, she shared a nice little story about the whole situation this week. As it well. was a beautiful story. Okay, so what's the significance of the flower and Pastor James's tattoo? No idea. Well, there is still something very disconcerting about Preacher James, and the writers continue to reference his pre-returned miracles as cons and stage tricks, reinforced again by Margaret Langston this week. As we saw with Caleb, the returned don't change. Good point. Definitely. Hmm. All right, number three, if Rachel's baby is the Antichrist and will end the world, why did the stem cells from the fetus heal the sick returned and the living? Oh, my goodness. That's an excellent question. Yeah, I mean, if you have healing powers and if Jacob's blood can apparently heal cancer, leukemia from Dr. Eric Ward, then the return must be good things, right? That's how we were looking at it, at least during season one. That's for sure. Okay. Well, I'm not exactly, uh, D goes on. I'm not exactly sure who Pastor James is praying to or if he is good or bad. After all, his end goal is to have uh, the baby disappear. Is this considered killing a pregnant Rachel and her baby? P.S. I like how the writers clearly displayed Rachel's hope for Tom to come back. Let's hope for a James versus Tom storyline. I'm all in for something like that. Yes. Epic. Two preachers at the pulpit, back and forth, throwing Bibles. A preacher, a pastor, and yeah, it could get really good. That's, a, that's like a nursery rhyme, right? Preacher, pastor, and a candlestick maker? It's something like that. <laughs> Number four. That's right. <laughs> Number four, Rachel says two interesting things in this episode. A, that she did sense the returned outside her window, but then says she wasn't quite sure. And B, talking with Maggie, she says someone has been after Rachel since the beginning. What can we depict from these comments, if anything? I don't know. Those, they're just kind of frustrating. I, I think it's too early to tell what they're trying to tell us. What do you think, Troy? I think Rachel's just frustrated. I don't think that someone coming after her is really a sign, I think, is where they're going with this. I mean, Gary just wanted to kill her because she was different. 
Janine wanted to keep her because Janine wanted the baby because she's crazy. Now people really want to kill her or get, and, rid, or get rid of her. And maybe just being whacked in the head with that uh, tea kettle or whatever it was has kind of affected her thinking. I don't know. Well, that's Dee's question for number five. Did Janine die? We haven't seen her. Is she dead on that floor after that head wound? Hmm. That's something they need to tell us. And will, it, she, and will she come back to protect the baby in the finale? She'll be rubbing the the belly of Jenny, of uh, Rachel. Who knows? I think they, they do need to tell us what's going on with Janine. And if we do get to see Pastor Tom next week or next season, Janine will have to be part of that uh, return. Well, D says, thanks for your efforts on the podcast. Really enjoy listening. Thanks so much. We love it when you guys write in too, D. It makes it all the more worthwhile. Hi, I just finished watching Resurrection um, twice. <laughs> so um, I've got some thoughts. I'm glad you guys are, um, this is Dawn O'War. How you doing? I'm glad you guys are taking my vampire theory seriously because I see vampire stuff all over this thing, don't you? Um, I don't know what it's about. I really don't know what it's about. Um I, what am I feeling right now? Like, you know, it's weird. This is like season two. It's the end of season two. And I still have like no clear theory about what's going on here. And I, I'm hooked on this show. I like it more, especially now it's getting really exciting. Um, so what I wanted to talk about here, uh, Preacher James, he thinks he's talking to God, but he also thinks he's evil. And he wants to know how to disappear people. So I'm saying, you know, because I'm in this vampire state of mind here that, like, you know, in true blood, uh, they would call it the true death. That um, Maybe he's looking for that for himself, even, because he's in this, like, state of limbo. He keeps coming back. He has no fear of death. He has no fear of killing people, whatever. No big deal, because he come right back. He knows how to do it. He knows how to bring you back. He knows how to come right back. It's not a big deal. I think he might want out of the whole situation. But that's a theory. Um so uh, let's talk about the vampires. Uh, the blood, the wine is blood. I know it's a Christian thing, but um, like uh, they're all wearing black. All the main players are wearing black. Did we notice this? I know last season it was red. Well, then they come back, the return come back wearing red, and they're not doing that anymore. But now we got um, who's wearing black? Marty's wearing black. Preacher James is wearing black. Rachel's wearing black. Um, and uh, the women are wearing black. The women who are about to deliver Rachel's baby, uh, Lucille and Maggie, they're both wearing black too. And I don't know why this is significant, but it, you know these people pay attention to details like that. So I'm guessing it's significant. Um, Margaret came back this time out in the woods wearing her vampire cloak. So there's that too. I don't know why. I don't know why. I wish I knew why. So um, I don't know what else do I have here. That's all I have. Okay, I took notes. I watched it twice. I took loads of notes. That's all I have. And yet I want to watch more of this show. I love it. Um, Anyway, the only other notes that I took was that um, somebody needs to change to Jacob when they shut his mouth. Like, you know, he's supposed to be connected to all these people. Uh, Like, he does not know when to shut his mouth. (laughs) That's the only other thing I have to say. Uh, I look forward to hearing your podcast. Bye. <laughs> Don, thank you so very much. Calling into plus one nine zero four four six nine seven four six nine, And, you know, it's funny, like we talked about it before, Troy, until we got her call a few episodes ago about the possible vampire tie-in, we never even considered it. 
But ever since she brought it up, it's really making me wonder what if they throw in a little bit of a twist on that. Yeah, I mean, vampires aside, right, drinking blood and things of that nature, but they are undead at the end of the day. So we have undead situations, and it really caught my eye this week, as I mentioned in the initial reactions podcast, about how he like really looked at that Dora Twain's like, did I get invited in here? Oh, yeah, I did. I did get invited in here. Okay, I can go in. And then Lucille specifically said, you know, hey, do you want to come in? And physically inviting him in because I don't think he came into the house last week when Henry came back. So Yeah, it, I think he just kind of hovered around the front door and then kind of rolled to the side to reveal Henry being returned. And when he came to talk to the kids earlier in the episode, he just hung out on the front porch again with doing the nickel trick. So he never came into the house until he was invited in. So I know we're kind of derailing, but Don mentioned vampires. It, it kind of perked my interest. And I saw two things tonight that made me really think, hey, vampires. And, and two other things Don brought up. One, the vampire state of mind. I think that's a Billy Joel song, isn't it? <laughs> it might oh. be. Oh, New York state of mind. Uh, same thing. Vampires um, live there. I've heard that and read that in some Stephen King books. But she also did point out, you know, whether it's tied into vampires or something, there's a large portion of the folks in Arcadia that are all wearing black. Yeah, I did notice that this week, that Margaret was in black, and then, of course, Preacher's in black, but he's normally in black. That's kind of like the the Preacher colors to wear. But then to see, like, Rachel in a grayish-black kind of drab color as well, very, very interesting to see what they're trying to put forth with that. Maggie as well. And then of course, Francis as well. She was wearing black too. And since there's all of this talk about Rachel's baby, and it's obviously coming soon to an Arcadia near us, um, our friend Iontron on Twitter suggests that we bring in star child consultants, Hank Davis and Alex Cruz from the TPE network of podcasts, because they may be needed for this final episode of resurrection because they definitely are star child consultants. Yes, they are. They uh, podcast about a great show that comes on in the summer called Falling Skies during its fifth and final season. And they had a child that grew rapidly and had special abilities on that show. So maybe Hank will have to call in after the finale next week and give some input as to what he thinks about rapidly growing children of extraterrestrial or otherworldly origins. Yeah, because one thing's for sure, that is an interesting coincidence. Absolutely. We also got an email question from Jalen. She says, uh, why did Marty return as a grown-up and his sister, who is older than he, return as a child? Take it away, Troy. Well, Marty didn't return as a grown-up. Marty died as a baby in the basket. You know, Moses is uh, the Pharaoh's wife, never found him. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he returned as a baby and someone found him and then he grew up not knowing he was a returned, but he came back much earlier than Jenny did. Jenny came back with this mass event that's happening in Arcadia now, but Bellamy had come back most likely in the seventies. Right. And, and much like uh, Rachel Bellamy's a returned twice over now, although he's not pregnant, but uh, it's amazing how many people keep coming back repeatedly. And of course that all goes back to the whole fire at the factory back in the thirties. And then I did notice that, you know, we'd have to really look hard, but I don't think I saw any red on any of the people from the facility because they all came back wearing whatever they were wearing in the facility. Where in season one, 
when Rachel came back the third time, she was wearing what she was wearing when she originally died. So that's something to keep in mind. Did they change the rules there? And if they changed the rules, was the rule change intentional? I think the rule change was just set aside. And only we noticed. (laughs) That's my personal vote. Okay. Well, uh, Ray Mays wrote in. Uh, Ray says, Steal Away gets nine and a half from this res head. Uh, No outstanding actor of this week because everyone was fantastic. Cool. It sure seems as though a few things have been cut from the show and that these last four episodes have been moved up. I hope that isn't a sign of a quick ending. I still believe that Preacher James is a false prophet. Margaret knows just as much or more than he does. Remember the episode where Rachel and Margaret shared the dream about being at the factory when the workers were killed? Mm-hmm. When, when Margaret visited Rachel later, she sure made it a point to tell Rachel how important the baby was. Margaret knows all about the things that Angela revealed to Marty. Preacher James may actually believe in what he's attempting to do, but no true Christian minister would be preaching about saving the world. They would be preparing believers for the end. I don't think that Marty and Preacher James formed a true alliance. Marty wants to keep a close eye on him to figure out the preacher's next move. The returned and Ray's opinion are neither angels or demons, which kind of goes with our thoughts of the fact that they have free will, that they are human. Uh, Rachel's baby is actually good. I agree. The baby caused the trance. The baby is the new return that will trigger the event that Angela told Marty about. And I think the baby causing the trance was to kind of maybe call out to the returned to stop them from killing the baby because the baby is good. That's what I'm trying to figure out if the, mm. like, why would the baby do that without giving some kind of message or answer? Or did they, was it kind of like the daydreaming thing where we talked about last week where Bellamy was with preacher James in the woods, but he was dreaming with his eyes open. Is this kind of that same thing? They were dreaming with their eyes open, conversing somewhere else, and then came back to these vessels. Nothing would surprise me. Uh, Ray goes on. I believe that we'll find out that the returned are from another physical dimension crossing into the current Arcadian dimension. Just as Angela's calculations show, the writers probably thought this would be easier for viewers to follow, but they'd still be utilizing the same results of time theory. This isn't a religious show. Look past what preacher James is saying. Ray. Ray yet again, another fantastic email. We are blown away that you send in one every week. It's amazing stuff. And I think that final sentence really says something that maybe they're just throwing in, you know, the preachers, especially in small towns that, you know, they are a fixture of the community. And in the, at the end of the day, like you would say, Troy, this may not be tied to religion at all. It's just something that people are trying to make fit into what's going on in their town of Arcadia. But there is a lot of religious overtones and context inside of this second season. True, but we're going to have to see what the producers say is the overarching story behind what's going on. If we get to find all of this stuff out next week, it'll be mind-blowing, to be sure. And we also got an email from Thomas, who is along similar lines, who says, I just hope the baby's name isn't going to be Damien. Uh-huh. I mean, that would be a little too much. That's for sure. Actually, and that movie scared the heck out of me as a kid. Actually, I was still clinging on to the hope that the baby would be half human 
and half Martian. Scratch that idea. However, doesn't the book of Revelation speak about the dead rising? I got a feeling that the preacher is going to be the beast and not the baby. Thomas. I tend to agree. Yeah, the preacher James and like uh previous uh listener mentioned, they've made a point on almost every episode that preacher James has been on talking about his parlor tricks and sleight of hand from back in the day. And something's just not right with that guy. Yeah. And I think it was, uh, it was D right. That we just read who said, you know, as we saw with Caleb, people never change. I think that's what really stuck in my head just now to say, yeah, if Caleb can't change preacher, James can't either. Yeah. That may be a constant on the show that we're meant to remember. So Lucifer wrote in, he said, the writers are not really sure if the show ends at season at two seasons because they did label it as a season finale, not a series finale. So that might be good signs. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, I hate to say this again, but grandma's the best. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, My predictions for the finale, Bellamy and Maggie make out. We've waited for like two seasons for this to happen. So let's get going here. Wow. Uh, Pastor Tom will be back now with wings as an angel to protect or guide Rachel to wherever she needs to go. Uh, the baby will show up at about the last 10 seconds while the viewers are pissed off biting their nails. A beast with tails and horns and maybe adjectives described in the Bible. Uh, bonus. There will be a season three, but this time it wouldn't be about reunion, love, hope, family, but about chaos, war, and walkers. So is this the origin story of the Walking Dead since they're both filmed in the same area? Hmm. But seriously, it's such a brave move for the show to drop the Antichrist theme or concept. I won't be surprised if it is Lucifer incarnate. Well, why wouldn't I? It's my name. Wow. <laughs> uh, one more thing, Sir Wayne and Sir Troy, you guys are the best. Please do a one episode review for Gallivant if you have time. It'd be great. I will sing my comments in. Poor Robin, don't worry. Me too. So afraid of needles especially that in our place, dead people don't come back. Lucifer. Always excellent comments, great thoughts and theories and funny too. I watched one episode of Gallivant. I cannot give an honest review here. Uh, Another comment on the website from Michael who says preacher James quoted revelation 13, which states a beast rises from the earth. And this is obviously the antichrist. The dragon with seven heads. Now, look at the vision that Bellamy and Preacher James both had where, you know, millions of cicadas came up from the ground to form this symbolic image. Could this be a vision of the beast? The dragon with seven heads? If so, then the preacher is the Antichrist. And he shared the screenshot, which, you know, on the surface really resembles the tree but at the same time, it could very well be much more than just the tree. So uh, definitely, Michael, props for the theory there. Thanks for sharing the screenshot. And again, if you want to see that, just go to resurrectionrevealed.com slash 46. It's in the comment section there. And I could see where it's vague enough on purpose that it could be the tree and it could be the dragon with seven heads. Um, either way, the imagery is strong. and Troy, what did you think when you first saw that screenshot based on the comments Michael left? Well, of course, the first thing I did is I started counting trunks that were coming off of the main trunk. Okay. And I think I can count seven main trunks. There's one that might be an eighth, but the way it's laid out, it looks like it would qualify as spurring off of the seventh. That's what I thought, too. 
Uh, so in that case, then I have to say, okay, if, if the vision was for Bellamy to say, here are the seven heads of the dragon, then who's the person that has the seven heads of the dragon? Oh, the preacher has it on his back. It's like mm. a, the mark of the beast. There you go. Oh my goodness. The show is getting insane we in a good way. Not like some other shows that go insane for other reasons. <laughs> right. Exactly. But if you want to talk insane, then we got to talk about James. So James breaks it down. He says, let's look at the facts. Okay. The returned. I'm sitting down. I'm ready. The return. Number one, consume more resources than a normal person. They are hungry, eat more. They create a problem for the environment in mass numbers, especially if the projections are true. Two, they create a problem for the current legal system. Do they have rights? Brought up this evening from Margaret. Uh, Are they legally dead or are they alive? And what rights do their previous property do they have? Are their marriages still valid? Wills, inheritances. What about life sentences to criminal activities? What about the death penalty? How is that enforced? Three, causes social discord and unrest. Well, for sure, we wouldn't have a show without this, right? True. Uh, They open up old wounds. They bring back issues to the forefront that they thought were dead and buried, literally. Who loved who? Who hated who? Who killed JFK? Where's Jimmy Hoffa buried? Heck, we can just ask him when he comes back. Uh, Number four, immortal cannot be killed. Very hard to kill. The show hasn't revealed this yet, but I suspect the returned do not age. They do not die normal deaths, and they certainly come back from abnormal deaths. Take the oldest person on the show, let him die naturally, and he comes back? Jacob's dad? Okay, what was fixed when he returned? Why didn't he just die again? How much time does he have left? So I guess what the answer is, is the only way to kill these folks is to make them wish themselves away. Otherwise, they go on existing. And if you kill anyone natural born, you might have just made a new returned. So among other issues, not yet revealed in the show, but these are bad enough, let's take the four things above and apply these behaviors to a large number of returned in no particular order. Not that that we're expecting a big return to happen next week. Uh, Number three, Causes the social unrest. Think Arcadia is having problems dealing with 200 or so folks? Just imagine the millions returning. Pretty hard to coordinate a response when these folks are so distracting. Number two on the legal problems. Hey, if there are 3 million natural born in a state country and 4 million return, who is the majority under the law? And what if the returned don't agree with that answer? What happens then? Who's English or American or French or whatever? In this circumstance, the who live and who should die in that context. And then number five, naturally dying versus newly returned or naturally dying, equally newly returned, right? This is the old man keels over, but comes back and still lives on forever. The door only seems to swing in one direction. Newly dead is a possible return. Things can get lopsided pretty quick if you suddenly turn an ally into an enemy. And then around the concept of not aging, well, that's obvious. These folks are here to cause problems. But if they don't age anymore, then exponential growth takes over. They just keep coming back and coming back and coming back, and more and more of them keep coming back, which means, number one, they consume more food and water. And this is possibly the worst issue given all of the above. So take with that all in account. To put it simply, 
The mechanism of the returned, whereby how often and when they appear, is the crucial determinant here. And I suspect we'll find out they are intended to come back at an ever-increasing rate. In doing so, and through no fault of their own and with no other sinister intent, the return will become too much a burden on the planet. It's basically a law of large numbers. If the return just keep coming back and consuming more and more when they do, they will eventually take it to the extreme and you get a societal biosphere, biosphere collapse. In other words, these folks coming back from the dead with these properties is possibly the worst thing that could happen for the stability of global society, especially if they come back at an increasing rate. So yes, this is the end of the world. The preacher is right. But if not the end of the world, it's technically the start of the next world. What happens when every person on Earth is converted to a slightly more hungry returned? What happens when the planet biosphere can no longer sustain these folks as every plant and animal and fish is consumed? Because animals so far have not returned, do they? Jacob's bird did not. Mm. Does the returning mechanisms continue to return folks? Do they just start eating their own dead bodies over and over as they repeatedly die? Does that make sense? It's kind of a sick way to live. Uh, wouldn't you lose the will to live and then simply just disappear? And now we've arrived at the point. The real actors in the melodrama will then make their presence felt, and their intent is to just show up at the end after it's all said and done. In fact, this is the perfect way to basically clear off an entire world of its inhabitants without firing a single shot or an act of war. Just keep bringing their dead back until they all choose to stay gone, and then they show up in orbit hit the off switch on whatever the people factory they had in orbit a millennia ago on the dark side of the moon. And it's a perfect way to clean a planet off, but leave fundamentals of life, air, water, weather, infrastructure intact for a landing party. And boom, colonization happens. Interstellar colonization. <laughs> Holy smokes. That, that, <laughs> I was silent through most of that because James, I'm soaking that all in. That is incredible, well thought out, and would make for a fantastic season three and four of Resurrection. ABC, give James a call. This is fantastic stuff. So that was too long-winded. Here's the, here's the long, story, long and short of it. M- millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of returns keep coming back until they finally all decide, you know what? I'm sick and tired of coming back. Boom, planet's empty, but everything's still good and the Earth still exists. So the aliens come in and take over. Ray I, knows. <laughs> that's a very, it all goes back to the tin hat. Now, of course, your brief synopsis, very well done, Troy. But James is long drawn out because it really built up to each thing building on each other. And great theory. I mean, Full props, two thumbs up, amazing, amazing stuff. Thank you so very much for typing that up, sending that in to us. My head is spinning, absolutely spinning. I'm going to listen to this episode a second time so I can hear it again myself. Now, James's comment and, of course, the picture from Michael's comment, those are in the comment section over at resurrectionrevealed.com slash 46. The yes. show notes for this episode are resurrectionrevealed.com slash 47. So if you go to 47 and don't see the information, go to the comment section on the previous post. You're going to want to see the picture and, of course, read James's comment again just to make sure you understood it. 
Yes. In fact, maybe for the comments for this episode 47, we'll get even more mind-blowing information. That's a great way to be in touch not only with us, but also the other res heads and share your thoughts and theories. Yes, please do. And wow, what an episode. Can you only imagine how we're going to be talking about the season two finale coming up in just a few days? I cannot wait. Now with that resurrection revealed, we want to remind you we're not affiliated with ABC TV or plan B or anything like that. At least not yet. We would love to be. Since we're unofficial, it does cost money to make the show, host the MP3s, the website, and all the other stuff tied into it. And you can help us out in a few ways. In fact, you can sign up for one of the 10-day free trials to lynda.com, lynda.com, that Troy spoke about earlier. You can get some training. Again, it's lynda.com slash resurrection. Learn some new stuff, and it helps out the show all at the same time. Plus, you can even do Amazon shopping. The holidays may be over, but Amazon, as you know, is there all the time, and we have our affiliate link at resurrectionrevealed.com slash Amazon. Make your purchases there, and a small part comes back to help make the show even better going forward. But, of course, you want to stay connected with us either on our Facebook page or you can try to follow us on Twitter. At Resurrection Pod. And be sure to follow the personal accounts as well. You can follow Wayne at Wayne Henderson, and you can follow me at Troy Heinrichs. We talk about other stuff besides resurrection in fact we'll probably be starting to gear up here for our third season of under the dome radio which is coming out it's our other podcast so we'll be getting that blog and that website fired back up just as soon as resurrection ends so be sure to follow us over there too at utd radio podcast uh, but lastly reviews are always a great thing so head on over you can do it two ways resurrectionrevealed.com slash itunes you can leave a review there and let us and the other res heads know which theories you think are the best. Or if you're a Stitcher user, you can go to resurrectionrevealed.com slash Stitcher, and you can leave your feedback and a five-star rating there as well. But most importantly, subscribe to the feed. Do not miss an episode. Head over to resurrectionrevealed.com. Use our feed and social links. They're right there at the top of the page, whichever best suits your listening needs. There's a link for pretty much every service. We want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day to spend it listening to our show. Again, reminder, resurrectionrevealed.com slash podcast awards. Fill out your ballots. Make sure your favorites get nominated from all the shows here on noodle.mx network. That's noodle mix network. And from all of us here at the network, I am at Troy Heinrichs. And I'm at Wayne Henderson. And while we wait for the aliens to fully colonize planet earth, We'll see you next time in just a few days on Resurrection Revealed. Resurrection Revealed is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx especially the Once podcast. If you're already watching Resurrection, you should be watching Once Upon a Time right before it at 8 Eastern and Pacific, 7 Central, and then listen to Once, the unofficial podcast and blog and forum with theories and talk about ABC's Once Upon a Time. All this and a bunch more of great content is waiting for you all over at noodle.mx.